Welcome to Words That Move Me, the podcast where movers and shakers like you get the information and inspiration you need to navigate your creative career with clarity and confidence. I am your host, Dana Wilson, and I move people. I am all about the tools and techniques that empower tomorrow's leaders to make the work of their dreams and live a full life while doing it. So whether you're new to the game or transitioning to your next echelon of greatness, you're in the right place. Friends and family, welcome to the first ever Widomcom. What are we calling it again? I forgot its name already. I'm not drunk. Happy hour. There it is. Happy hour, casual cocktails and Q&A for my Widomcom members. Um, I am thrilled to see your faces. Thank you all for being here. And also, uh, this is my third drink of 2022. And coming from a person who used to be a glass of nine, glass of nine of white, you guys, am I drunk? We don't know. I used to be a glass of wine a night type of gal. And so today is February 8th. And this is my third drink of the year. Ninth? Great. February 9th. And I'm smashed. <laughs> Thank you guys for being here. This cheers goes out to the Widom Come. I love you guys. Mm. Ooh, and I love sparkling white wine. That is something I love. Do you want to know what that is that I have right there? Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you what it is, and I'm going to tell you what I wish it was. Because <laughs> I did not have time to go shopping to procure my favorite boozy beverage. Um, so this is a very cute, punny white wine. It is called Simpler Wines, as in simpler times, from Trader Joe's. They sell their little tiny cans, and this is the bluish-green one. They also do a peach one and a rosé. Would not recommend either of those. But these little green things, I mean, wow. Bang for the buck. Such a great call. What I wish it was, however was a, uh, I don't know what it technically, I guess it's a Secco, but I have a new favorite sparkling wine. It is called Lunaris Secco, and the only place I can find it in LA is at Italy, down in Beverly Hills. Did not make it there this week, so simpler wines it is. Um, okay, I got carried away with my description of my wine, and I forgot to do wins. Um, I'll start, as per usual. Y'all, I got a gig. I'm not allowed to talk about it, which is cool. Like, those are my favorite kind. Um, and I'm really excited. It's it's special. It's like, unlike, it's like many things that I've done, but it's unique. It's not like anything that I've ever done. So I'm stoked about it, celebrating my win. Um, anybody else have a win they'd like to voice today on the podcast in perpetuity forever? Um, Dinka, what's your win? My win is that I also got a gig teaching and I had some training happening and then it was all on my timing and it, I trained some before this and it's like, I have this thing that's important to me that I'm still going to be there for, but I'll still come and train beforehand. So I got yes. to do both. Yes, you did. I love both and, and yes. I love training. Yeah. This is big. I recorded, um, a podcast earlier today uh, for Money March. So it's it's a little ways out. I love being ahead. 
And I was talking to the fabulous Jerry Brown, who, if you do not know, you will soon. I'm seeing shoulder rolls. Uh huh. Um, she's so great. And we talked a little bit about, like, I, I called it the time accordion, how you're able to, like, multiply time by delegating tasks, but that there is also huge value in deciding what the tasks are that no one else can do but you. Like what things will go further when only you do them? Um, and we we're talking about kind of just, yeah, maximizing your time and efforts. And I asked for what the things are that she's done that help her maximize time. So we talk a little bit about that in the episode. You'll have to come back and listen to how that resolves. But I do think there's there are ways and a few times in our lives where we can be in two places at once. And when you can do that, great, do that. And when you can't, great, have someone else go. <laughs> but I'm glad you're building your skills. I'm glad you're training. I'm glad you're winning. And congrats on the gig. Yeah. Um, anybody else wins? What's up? Yes, Max. Yeah, so I am choreographing a piece for a show at college, which is a new experience and which I am like terrified and excited for. Mm -hmm. But yesterday morning, I sent out an email blast to the whole dance department, just trying to get some dancers. Mm -hmm. And as of about 10 minutes ago, I have nine of them so far. So I'm just super excited to be like creating with other people and dancing in a room with like human beings again. It's been so long. Oh my gosh, I almost burped. My heart is so excited for you. <laughs> that is awesome. That's a large group. I'm pretty sure. I don't know how conventions break that stuff down. It's not quite a line, but I think that's a large group. Way to go, Max. Happy winning. Okay, so purpose of this call is sort of to get to know the community members a little bit more. The, f the faces I'm seeing in this call are faces that I have grown to know and love over the past year or so. Um, but uh, I'm excited to kind of like take off my podcast hat, take off my coach hat, and just be a human being with you guys, a simpler one kind of human being. Um, and I think, you know, one of the you guys are joining me in my podcast booth where I'm it's my nature to just talk forever and ever clearly because <laughs> that's what I've been doing already for this whole call so far um but I I I say this a lot when I teach and I truly truly mean it I think we all have more to gain from discussions versus seminars like when I think back to being in school, when I was engaged, when I was activated, when I was like a part of the conversation, that stuff stuck more than when I was being talked at or lectured at. So I'm a very, if you guys have ever taken class with me, you know this about me, I'm a very vocal class taker and I really encourage conversation when I teach. I know not everyone is that way, but I believe in conversation, not seminar. So with that being said, I open the floor to ye good people. Don't stress out, but this call is being recorded. <laughs> okay, I know that, Riley, you have some stashed away. What yeah. you got? I'll start off with, like, a casual one, just to, like, jump in with the casual mm. chat. Mm, hit him um, with the icebreaker. Okay, fantastic. Yes, it's a very classic icebreaker. Okay, 
So if you had to watch one movie for 24 hours oh. straight and you couldn't, okay. like nothing else, but no, yeah, not for the rest of your life. But you had to watch yeah. one movie for 24 hours straight, no breaks. Yeah. What would that movie be? Obviously, it's The Lord of the Rings, the trilogy. But if I'm only allowed to pick one, then it would be The Return of the King. Okay. But it's basically, like, that was a super easy one because it's basically what I do <laughs> during the holiday seasons. My family, we watch the director's edits, which are four plus hours each. Yes, I'm getting rounds of applause of approval. Um, yeah, we, we do that every year. Uh, and you'd be surprised how quickly 24 hours goes by. Um, but I, I am a person who can binge. Like, I have the capacity to really post up and just take something in, all the way in. For 24 hours, I could do. I probably, if it was Lord of the Rings, I probably wouldn't even get tired. I will tell you this. My most recent binge... I'm late. I'm sorry. I'm late. I had been watching like isolated sequences on YouTube, but I just finished the complete marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Hooked. Hooked. I watched five episodes in one night um, and completed the first three seasons in one week. So I basically 24 houred <laughs> marvelous Mrs. Maisel. But I love that question. What do, what do you, what's yours? Oh, uh, Captain America Civil War. She's a Marvel girl, y'all. I really She loves am. that superhero stuff. I'm all about that superhero life. Okay, if you were a superhero, <laughs> if you were a Marvel human who... Oh, wait, they're not human. Are they humans? Some are. Oh, cool. Uh -huh. if, if you were a Marvel, who would you be? <laughs> like, if I was one of the Marvel characters, who would I be? Yeah. Okay, I would be... Her name is Scarlet Witch. And uh, she has what they're called hex powers, and she can warp reality with those powers. And she can also mm -hmm. like fly and like read people's minds. And um, she's also like the point between realities. So she like holds multiple realities together. Um, and so that's what I would love to be is the Scarlet Witch. Where, where do I find that character? What movie is she in? Uh, heard of first this. one, first one she shows up in is Avengers: Age of Ultron, and then she is Wanda Maximoff. So, did you hear of WandaVision? Yes, that was a thing. Wanda is the Scarlet Witch. So, got you. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, there's a likeness there. Yes. Okay. Right on. <laughs> I hear you. Yep. Um, I generally am not a big, <laughs> huge Lord of the Rings fan. Not a huge superhero action type um although when i was a, a teen maybe even a tween let's bring tweens back shall we <laughs> i feel like people go straight to being teenagers and i'm like what happened to awkward tween anyways i was an awkward tween for it seems like forever and i was very much interested in chris o'donnell who played robin next to i believe it was george clooney's batman that'll tell you i don't even remember who batman was I was so about Chris O'Donnell, and I think Jim Carrey was the Joker in that one. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Um, anyways, that's me and superhero movies. I love like Courtney Darlington is still an awkward tween. I there's something there like marketing wise that we could really play with. I think we could be like a tween 
dance team. A dance tween? <laughs> Look out. America's Got Talent. Here we come. Um, who's got next? I'm not going to last very long, you guys. This shit's strong. Okay, circling back. Um, I don't know that you've ever talked about how did the love of Lord of the Rings come to be? Because, like, <laughs> yes. could... This should just be exclusively. The only questions I will accept for the rest of the session <laughs> must be related to the Lord of the Rings and or Peter Jackson and or Orlando Bloom. Because he's my favorite. Uh, how did that come to be? Great question. Oh, wow. Thank you for asking, because this is digging up something that I have not visited in quite a while. I had a high school crush slash boyfriend. I don't remember if, <laughs> if he ever donned the official title of boyfriend, but I had a crush in high school that was very much about The Lord of the Rings. And by that, I mean he read the books. I didn't read the books, but we went to see the midnight showing. Like, he was so about it that we went to see, like, on opening night at midnight. There were people fully in costume and, like, cloaks and capes and staffs and pointy hats and stuff. And I was like, what is this world that you have brought me into? And then I, I fell in love with it. Certainly more in love with it than with him. Although he was a great guy. Stand-up, outstanding citizen. Um, but yeah, I, that was it. I was hooked and somehow my family was on board with that and it just, it became our tradition. Yeah. Good question. <laughs> She's like, yeah, I know. We, we, we have to know the origins. I hadn't thought about that. Like what was the, what was the beginning moment? I don't know, but it led to a lot of great moments. I, when we were on tour with JT in New Zealand, I actually went to, Middle Earth. I went to the Shire, the place where they built Hobbiton and all of the little hobbit holes. And I went in them and I took photos and I had a beer at the Green Dragon, which is the bar. And it was like, it was no small event, y'all. It was like a two hour bus ride. It was just me and a couple crew guys. I was like, I tried to get the dancers on board. Nobody's feeling it. <laughs> but shit, you know, I have like probably... 150 plus photos of that day. I'll share some of them at, on the release of this episode. Uh, who else? What else we got? Questions? Another one. Hit me, Riley. Okay. I'm, I'm really excited to hear this one. What is your either funniest or biggest mess, biggest mess up on stage mm -hmm. or in performance ever? Slash mm -hmm. what's that story? I would just mm -hmm. love to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> um, I wish Marty was here to tell this story. I will never, ever <laughs> lift this down. Um, I think, you know, because I have been with JT, like a part of Marty's team for a very long time since I was, I think I started assisting Marty when I was, 18 probably um i established a reputation for being on it and i loved being on it and i loved not not being on it you know like those are two different things like i really like being on it but i really really hate not being on it so i established this reputation for you know at least i think or i hope that i don't mess up very often 
And so on this one particular night in Reykjavik, if I'm not mistaken, we were filming the show. It's a live taped and streamed concert. It's the simple things, you know, simpler wines. <laughs> but in Take Back the Night, or there was a, there was a, oh, damn, there was a medley. There was like, you know, several songs kind of smashed together. I don't know. We usually have a moving part of the stage that goes like out into the crowd and comes back. But because we were on an unusual stage, we didn't have that. So we built in this fun little party dance you do two eighths of each groove and then you do move on to the next groove. I was on the wrong step, probably four or five steps in a row. And by the time I found it, they were on to the next one and I was doing the wrong one again. No, no matter what I did, it was not the right dance. And I am in the front row, standing next to Jay, and he's looking at me like, are you kidding? Like, this must be, you're doing that on purpose now for sure. And I'm like, I'm lost. I'm lost. You know that nightmare that you have where you're like, you can't run or you're drowning or you forget the moves and you're on stage? Real life. That was my real life. And nothing I could do. I was like, surely this is the right one. Surely we're doing the Bismarcky right now. No, we are not. No, we are not. We're doing the Shovel the Funk right now. And I'm like, oh, great. Okay, so after the Shovel Funk, surely comes the prep. No, it's not the prep. And after that, maybe it's maybe it's the kid in play. No, it's definitely not. You're the only one on stage doing that. And when I tell you only one on stage, our background vocalists are nailing it. Our band is do are, they're doing these dances. This is not just like a dancer moment. This is like everyone on stage is doing something unified, and then there's me. That was the most embarrassing thing, and it won't go away. It's it's the best joke that anyone ever has. Marty will ask me, hey, can you do that? Maybe lead us through uh, Take Back the Night real quick. It's it's fine. It's fine. I'm fine. I'm not worried about it. It's fine. I'm over it. <laughs> I still have nightmares, actually. I do. I have a recurring nightmare about being called back out on the road and looking at everyone doing the choreography that I should know. Like, I should know, like, I love you. And I do know, like, it's in my bones. But I'm watching everyone else around me doing something else, and it's terrifying. <laughs> That's a good one. Thank you for bringing that back to my, to the forefront. That feel, my heart rate is up. So as Max asked, is, since this was taped, is this something that we can go find? Or You're gonna is... have to find out. <laughs> I will. I will go searching for that. <laughs> I'm 99% sure it's Ricky Vic. Should we call Marty Dog real quick? Let's do it. Damn dog. Dog, dog, Marty Doggy. What's going on? I have a question. Um, by the way, I am currently in a live uh, Zoom call with a, a, a small group of my podcast community, and okay. somebody just asked me what is the most embarrassing on stage moment that I've ever had, and <laughs> um, I recalled the 2020 show. Was it Reykjavik? Is that where we were? That I could not 
collect myself enough to do a party dance during Take Back the Night? I don't remember where it was at, but it was definitely somewhere on a festival show. And it was taped, was it not? Like it was live. Yeah, oh, for sure. It was a huge show, but I don't remember where it was at. I yeah, you you did, because you kept remember the whole story. You just kept you could. I don't think you did it right once. <laughs> nope. Because it was so easy, it was hard because it was this party dance after party dance that you would just fuck up the order somehow. Yep. And no matter where I caught up, whatever I thought was happening next was not what was happening next. Yeah, and then you'd make you think you're going to the next groove, and instead you just jump into something different. And I think that particular time was like we had been talking about it a lot, so Justin was just standing there like. uh like like watching you the whole time making you nervous which is hilarious yes he was punking me (laughs) and if i recall correctly like the bvs were up there with us some of the band was up there with it was not just like yeah it was a whole thing yeah yeah, um well if you're able to find that i think i have a lot of people that would be interested in seeing it myself included Yeah, I don't don't know if I have it on tape. It'd have to be on YouTube somewhere. Uh Uh-huh. Like, I don't think I personally have it, but it would definitely have to be a YouTube update. You, We could figure out what show that was. I'm really, really thinking it was Reykjavik. Because we wouldn't have had our stage out there. And you know what else? I don't know if this will help us find it, but I know that there was like... And it wasn't Rio, because I've been to that Rio place a billion times. Uh Uh-huh. It was... Somewhere that we were just there for like literally it's our first time and only time doing a festival at this place. And there was definitely rides there. But it wasn't in the middle of the tour. It was before the, it was like like, fair, like Ferris wheels and shit. Kind of what? Like. I it don't. It was definitely before the tour started. It wasn't the one that we did mid-tour when I came out and uh, I, I filled in for Lyle when Lyle's brother was getting married. Some festival that we did in the UK. Hmm. We had an alternate stage, and but we didn't. By that time, we weren't even. We didn't do let, uh, let the groove. Or whatever. We didn't do it maybe that day because. Wait! Oh, it was let the groove get in. Thank you. I've been saying take yeah. back the night. That was wrong. Oh yeah. my god! Oh my god! Yes, that song still haunts yeah. me. Now I have chills. Yeah. yeah. All right. But well, anyways, I'll try to remember. But yeah, it probably won't be as funny as you. Remember though, because you're like that's what's funny. Is you're that moment felt like forever. It felt like a year of doing the wrong step. I know, but if if not, wait. Do you remember when me and you went to Japan and I messed up? <laughs> I'm in front of the shit kings and all this. <laughs> was like doing the wrong part or something, and or just froze and just started bowing and stuff. Oh my god, yes, I do remember that. Oh shit, yeah. it was also because it like, was what? so easy, it was hard. Like, we all learned yeah, a closing number. Thing. Yes, oh. And we learned it in the hallway, like, two seconds earlier, that like, 2.8 seconds earlier in the day. Uh. We left, came back, like, yeah, we got it. And then right, the funny thing with that story is right before we went on stage, because uh, I think it was, what's, his, what's the, um, Keone and Mari were there, mm-hmm. both of them, I think, were there. And Rhea and all the, like, all the, like, the who's who of the, kite, you know, kite. But, but right before we go on stage, I think it was, um, I think it was them two, Keone and Mari going, yo, just so you like the music is playing. They're like, yo, just so you know, this is an honor 
share the stage with you, blah, blah, blah. And, like, and I'm like, why do you have to say that right now? And then we fell out and I just totally trashed the combo. Biffed it. This is important. We should teach a class that's like basic moves, but under tremendous pressure. And if you can get through that, then you're like, yeah, I mean, I kind of do that in my across the floor, and I tell them, like, even in the advanced room, like, I don't do it across the floor in a dance room that often, mm-hmm. but I've been doing it more so because I'm like, yo, yeah. you can make all this, I come in, my, my speeches, I'm, I can come in everybody's, I can come in a Talbot's class, and you're doing this crazy choreography, like, uh, you know, the Deanna Matos type of style choreography, and you look amazing, but if you're just supposed to do, like, a simple groove, you look like trash. Right. What are you? So I'm going to give you two easy eight counts, and don't make it look like trash. Make it look. Make it look fresh. Amazing. Be, it's crazy how whack these people are. Um, basic dance under tremendous pressure will be the name of my class from here on. Uh, oh, there you go. Yeah. Th- thank you for reliving that story and for being an, an unexpected special guest on my podcast right now. Of course. All right. Later. All right. Bye. <sighs> I'm smiling really hard. My cheeks hurt. Have you have you guys ever just maybe like nod of head or show of hands? Have you ever forgotten what you're doing on stage? Complete blank. Okay, 100%. Everyone has forgotten what they're doing on stage. What do you do? What do you do? I got a story time. Mm-hmm. Well, um, nowadays just try and like pick back up. But when I was little, my first dance competition was a trio to teach me how to shimmy. It was tap. And one mm. of my forget my fr- one of yes. Oh yes. One of my friends forgot and messed up. And then the other friend followed her. And but I remembered, but I looked like I was wrong because it was a trio. And it was great. Oh, then that's the- deep. Yes, and so mm-hmm. then we realized oh, you're, oh, oh, and we figured out. We got back together, and on the judges' tape, like corrections, they said, "If you make a mistake, just smile and shake," which is so appropriate for teach me how to shimmy. That's really, yeah. truly, all you have to do is shimmy down. You all here in the Zoom room, and anyone who is listening, have my word that the next time I blank on stage or on camera, I will shake. I will shimmy. When in doubt, shimmy it out. Yes. Um, I genuinely, I think my go-to is what I call the one-eyed jack or the side-eye, if you will. And I have, my peripheral vision game has gotten very strong from uh, like kind of collecting or like sussing out the group, you know, what is everyone else doing while still giving on the frontal like performance mode I know what I'm doing but I'm 100% looking at the very limits of my vision for any information at all of what to do but the JT experience I was different I was so far lost that I was like it was performative it was like a clown experience everyone was in on the joke except for me and I was just the butt of it it was perfect oh is there a question here ah ooh, nice Oh, that is such a good question. Ooh, I love this. Does saying no to opportunities ever get easier? Also, how do you say no to things that you really want to do but can't? (laughs) I love this question. Saying no 100% gets easier. 
because when you're able to think of no to one thing, meaning yes to something else, saying no is a very empowering thing to do. But when you think that you're saying no to something and in essence, no to everything, then no sucks. No is a hard one to say, especially when like in our within our gig worker culture, like you say yes, you say yes to everything and you jump at the opportunity for any opportunity. And so no is almost like this dirty word in training. But when no to that means yes to something else, it's actually quite easy. And when you believe that other th opportunities will come, then no is just a notch in the belt to getting to the next yes. I actually also talked about this on the podcast with Jerry Brown today. My sister, who has been a guest on the podcast, she's a physician and she's also a coach. She recently applied for a grant, a big, big grant in the multiple millions of dollars of grant. So this is substantial. The application process was brutal. She worked on it with a teammate for a long time and was extremely confident that they would be successful. She told colleagues about it, told friends about it. I mean, didn't, she didn't tell people that she had it, but she was confident in her pursuit of it and that, and that they would be successful. She was planning a celebration. She was feeling her future self in the process. And she did not receive the grant. She was denied. And we talked a little bit about how she grieved that and how she mourned it. And she told me something fascinating that I have promised to do for myself but haven't yet. And that is to make a resume the same way that you would the gigs that you've worked, but a resume of gigs that you've missed or of gigs that did not pan out. And I think that like simply honoring them visually gives you a sense of pride about like, oh my God, well, like my actual resume? Yeah, like that's that's cool. But whoa, look at how much I have to be proud of enduring. Look at the number of rejections that did not stop me. Like I am fucking unstoppable. Look at like pages. I'm, I'm, my actual resume is one page. I keep it very tight. Um, But like, the number of rejections, the number of no's or the number of cutting room floors and, you know, all of that, I think is as empowering. So I think of no's as no thank yous or no, not right now. And that saying no to this thing is saying yes to something else. Um, so that's that's my answer to that. How do you say no to things that you really want to do but can't? Uh, with gratitude and with appreciation. And with like celebrating, yes, oh, thank you for, I am receiving that ask. All right. Yes, thank you for asking. And unfortunately, no, wait a second. <laughs> Stop the clock. Mm -mm, mm -mm. How is that possible? How is it possible that out of the entirety of Widomcom, two people are wearing Bernie Sanders with mittens on their shirt? You, you're kidding me right now. I'm tearing up. Okay, great. <clears throat> so now we know who the community is. <laughs> Incredible. Saying no gets easier. Great job. Great job. <laughs> um, any other thoughts, conversations, ideas 
I'm here. Um, by the way, this whole Bernie shirt thing really got me going. I think I'm really... I can have a headache from the like instant laughing I did so hard. It's good. Um, I just wanted to ask you, Dana. Mm-hmm. I am such a fan of you and your approach and your energy and your brain and your spirit. And I'm curious what happens inside of your brain, mm-hmm. like in your imagination, in your process, when you are to choreograph a new project, mm-hmm. what, what sparks yeah. off, what starts, oh. it, what gets you excited? Okay. Ooh, what gets me excited? Man, <clears throat> everything. Everything gets me excited. So it can be tough to edit down what I want to, f- where I want to focus my excitement. Um, regarding my creative process, it honestly, the process itself, like beginning, middle, end, depends on the project. So creative process for pop star music video, very different than creative process for Seaweed Sisters, very different than creative process for In the Heights. Very different than creative process for solo personal project. Um, I, I started a new project a couple days ago because I was ripped from my body um, watching <laughs> an episode of The Marvelous Miss Maisel. <laughs> um, and I was really taken by the actor Luke Kirby's performance of Lenny Bruce on Steve Allen, which was a like a historical monumental and captured performance and the actor recreated it and it was riveting on its own but even more impressive side by side when you look at at Lenny Bruce's actual performance and then you watch uh Luke's side by side and so um that's a, even yet another process when i work on character development projects for example I worked with an actor who will be portraying Elvis in Baz Luhrmann's upcoming. For that project, part of my job was an insane amount of research, reading all the books, watching all the clips, watching all the interviews, watching all the movies, watching all of the all of the Milton Berle show and all of the Hound Dog and all of the things a million times. Like that was part of my process for that. Um, and so anyways, that's why this Lenny Bruce thing spoke to me because I know how much time goes into something like that. Anyways, I fell in love with the piece. And so now I'm working on a version of the piece for myself or maybe for the world, who knows. But that process is different than, you know, creating something for a a commercial spot or something like that. So when it's me, when it's for me... It always starts with, you know, something that catches my eye and I believe is worthy of deeper investigation. And then I go and I investigate. When it's uh, commercial, I usually try to, at least, if I can't actually fall in love with it, I try to fall in love with the product and and find things that I think are awesome about it. And then I make it my job to show people what's awesome about that thing. Um, Music always helps. Uh, when I'm working on a music video, I love working closely with the artist and that becomes less about my process, more about theirs. Um, that becomes about being a a collaborator who can say yes or yes. And which brings me back to the seaweed sisters. We are the, the chief of yes. And that is our, our one rule is that we say yes to things and then we build 
And then we take a vote and two out of three wins. <laughs> um, so that's kind of a, I guess, a crash course in my my different processes. But no, no two things have been the same for me. Um, but following what excites me is always there, I suppose. Yeah. Is there anything you you haven't touched on yet in your career mm-hmm. that really excites you? Like some kind of, I, I say crazy, but knowing that crazy is not crazy in our world and that mm-hmm. it can totally still come true. But mm-hmm. any kind of like wild dream that you had as a child that you suddenly have started thinking about now as an adult because you did all the other things. All the things, like left. checked all the boxes. Yeah. I, I have not checked all the boxes yet. There are still boxes left unchecked. And and one of them is the box that's like the multi-box. Like I'm doing this while I'm doing that. Like that is actually one box. I'm nurturing my relationship. I'm fulfilled outside of my work. And in my work, I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm doing that. So it's like, it's not necessarily that I have like new boxes to check. It's just that I hope to be keeping the keeping you know balls in play and I'm juggling and I'm keeping everything in play um love the word balls it's one of my favorites <laughs> thank you for the visual we're juggling eggs in the zoom just so you know uh I have a, a vision a dream for the seaweed sisters we've talked about it only in a hypothetical type of way but I do think that we are capable and that we have the resources to make this happen. Um, We have all agreed that we would like to do an evening length show, like a full top to bottom show. And what I would love to do on top of that is have a series. I think that we belong either and or both on a uh, like children's program a la the Sesame Street like we could be series regulars on the Sesame Street I've always been about the disguise of education as entertainment I am huge on educating I love being a teacher and I love being um I sharing information and and helping being an advocate being a helper being a conduit to other people's success versus just like out there being successful has always spoken to me. And um, I I would love to see the Seaweed Sisters who unintentionally, by the way, we did not do this deliberately. Like we did not sit and have a marketing branding meeting about who our audience was and decide that it was five-year-olds. But young people take really well to our stuff. And we've heard from their parents. We've seen it on their faces. Like the Seaweed Sisters speak to young people. So I would love for us to do a a, a a children's driven educational spot and or a travel channel related series where we just board a triple seven and it lands somewhere and we make something there and then we get back on it and you'll see us next week. And we don't know where we'll land, <laughs> but I think our, our stuff has always been so site specific that something like that could be super interesting where we just have a limited amount of time to prep and produce, but we use the space around us and 
that is so it's always been such a driving principle for us, the idea of exploration and wonder and for us to be like just dropped in a place and find it so wonderful. Oh, I would I I want to watch that show. I guess the work that I want to do is the work that I wish was out there already. So, those are those are a few. Um we, do we have, we have a, a children's gym story? To, please, please tell me. I love children dance related stories. <laughs> oh, I have stories upon stories upon stories, which I messaged you. I saw a two-year-old wearing Yeezys, like official brand Yeezys. And that is something I can't unsee. And it's like the ones that look like uh, Crocs, mm-hmm, the newer mm-hmm. ones. Um, they make them for like two-year-olds, which is something I did not know. Um, I did not know that. And I have to say, I thought they were ridiculous, even on adults. Um, so ridiculous to the second, I guess. I don't know. But also I get the aesthetic, like they're different and they're unique and it's a flex. Like why where? Yeezys when your two-year-olds can wear Yeezys, you know what I mean? I kind of get it. <laughs> I and don't they'll get only it. fit for two, three weeks max. And right, exactly. Give them that. Away. Listen, my husband and I do not plan on procreation. It is not a part of our value system in the world. But I think if I were to have children, they would be barefoot and naked. I just, like, it. they're going to... I'm. I say that now, of course, but I do love small things, small shoes, small socks, small pants, small overalls, small little fitted hat. I mean, come on. It's pretty cute. I get it. Like small things are cute just by novelty. But so are hand-me-downs from your friends or from your family. Like it's so amazing, you know, like the and whole- handmade stuff. And handmade things, and like it's mm-hmm, trying mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. get to like hand it over, and then you're not causing the planet more harm by buying Yeezys. That's wild. Mm, I love that. I love a reuse, renew, reuse, recycle approach. My nieces are wearing hand me downs that my sister and I wore. It's pretty cute, actually. And they know them. So my my niece Millie, who's eight, should be like, "Hey, Auntie Dana, what do you think of my dress? Is this familiar?" Is this dress familiar to you? Do you know about this dress? Because she knows. And I'm like, oh, that is familiar. That looks like my dress or your mom's dress. I think that that, like, the hand-me-down, that's awesome. But I also think that things like this, you guys, it's my favorite shoe ever, are going to get so much wear. I don't know. Maybe this could last forever. It's, like, pretty industrial duty. This is my clog that I'm flexing some people flex yeezys i flex clogs let it be known that it's 80 degrees outside and i'm still wearing this sheepskin lined clog because it's the most comfortable um but i'm gonna wear these till they're unwearable i don't know that they'll be able to be passed down i like i I like things i love to love my my stuff until it's unwearable that's my that's kind of my personal style (laughs) I love. Um, okay, well, we're very close to the end of my glass of wine. Any uh, any final thoughts or questions from the group? I have very much enjoyed this. Yeah, bring it. Oh, we got two more. Yeah. I'm curious if you've ever been 
in job situations and we all sign mm-hmm. NDAs and stuff. So no names, but have you ever been in a job situation that was um, slightly abusive in energy or toxic? Mm-hmm. Um, like yeah. in, a, in a way where like you were basically told, well, deal with it or leave. And like, have you ever left? Mm-hmm. Like, um, Oh, great question. I came very close to a walk-off situation kind of recently. Um, and I, yeah, it was a, a physical body risk situation. Super high up platform, no supports, no mats. Just like, that seems risky. And I assessed the situation for myself. And I knew that I am in control of my body. And that... Unless I lose control of my body, I will be safe. So I knew that I could maintain control by myself. There were no other factors uh, that could, you know, come into play. I just, I felt a deep knowing for myself that I would be okay. That it wasn't standard, that it definitely would require a hazard bump, but that I I didn't fear for my life and that was okay. Um, Before that, I can recall several gigs and environments where language was abusive or, you know, less than encouraging. (laughs) And I think for sensitive people, sometimes anything less than encouraging can feel abusive. But then there is straight up, like, abusive language. These are different things. But I think before, you know, at the time when those things were happening to me, I thought that that was normal. And it's sad to say that out loud. It speaks to, you know, our our kind of culture. But I thought that it was normal. And I thought that it was part of the job was enduring that and coming out resilient on the other side. I thought that that was literally part of being a professional was enduring or tolerating or becoming resilient to that sort of thing. I have a slightly different perspective on that now. I do think you know, as a society and as a dance community, when you know better, you should do better. And when you find out that you can get fabulous results without not fabulous behavior, sorry, double negative, kind of confusing, um, you don't have to be ruthless or mean to get great results. And once you know that, you know, you should, you, you, you could (laughs) behave differently. But I think there are people who don't know that yet. I think there are people who think that that's how you get results. And for them, I can say, oh, that's so interesting that you still believe that that's the way to get things done. That's unfortunate for you. I'm going to believe in my way of getting things done, which is encouragement, positive self-talk, critical thinking, and managing my mind. But you keep doing that thing. That's unfortunate for you. I probably won't see you again because you've probably noticed that I'm not phased by what you're doing. And I've noticed that I don't like what you're doing. So you know, cheers and and see on the other side. But I, I, I do think that as a collective, our consciousness is shifting towards, you know, unhealthy behavior breeds unhealthy results. And that it is possible to get an outstanding result without being, uh, (laughs) abusive. (laughs) Um, you know, I, I, Yeah, I've never quit on the job. I have declined plenty of gigs. I have passed on plenty of gigs. 
I have straight up said no <laughs> without reason, without like, oh, I have another thing. It's just, no, I would rather not. <laughs> um, and that's because I'm a, now I'm an empowered person who believes that I can shape myself instead of I need someone else to shape me. Yeah. Amen to all of that. Thanks for sharing that. Thank you. Thank you for asking. And amen to all of you. Amen to the very first ever Winnemcom happy hour. I'm so glad you joined me. I'm still a little, I'm like feeling a little rosy in my cheeks. I need to go have a bite to eat perhaps. Um, Riley, did you have one more? Was there one more? It's I'm a sweating. silly one. Do you want a silly one to end it yeah, on? Yeah, let's, let's, okay. let's end on, let's put a cherry on top. Okay. Um, so if space travel was like intensely advanced, like tomorrow, yeah. out of all of the dancers that you know, who would be the first one to dance in space? Do you believe? Who's doing the first space tour? I mean, I want to say it would be me, but I don't know if that's real. I'm getting a lot of snaps of encouragement. I... Yeah, I would love that. I do think there are people more, mm, dare I say, viral <laughs> that would go to the lengths of space <laughs> to get those views. And they would probably be highly competitive in the pursuit of that headlining slot. I probably would not compete with them in the <laughs> bargaining for that role. But I would love to perform in space. Are you kidding me? Anti-gravity dance? This is like my dream. Oh, my jumps would be so much better. <laughs> or would they not? Because you do kind of have to come down. Oh, follow up to that. What would be the first step that I would do in space? A pot de beret. Hands down. It's my number one. Tikita, 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 tikita. It might even be a six-step pirouette. Just, to, just for the just for the spins and giggles, just to see what happens there. Oh, with a back touch turn. Out to here, out to here, back touch turn with a hand around the head. A double pirouette. Just keep it clean. We don't need to push for the triple. We're in space after all. We're not sure. <laughs> I love that ending note. Thank you so much for that, Riley. Thank you guys all for being here. I really appreciate this. We'll do this again sometime. Love you guys. Talk to you soon. This podcast was produced by me with the help of many. Music by Max Winnie, logo and brand design by Bree Reitz, and a big thanks to Riley Higgins, our executive assistant and editor. And also a massive thanks to you, the mover, who is no stranger to taking action. I will not stand in the way of you taking action. I will not, cannot stop you from downloading episodes or leaving a review and a rating. I cannot keep you from visiting thedanawilson.com to join our mailing list. I will not ban you from my online store for spending your hard-earned money on the cool merch and awesome programs that await you there. And of course, if you want to talk with me, work with me, and make moves with the rest of the Words That Move Me community, I will 100% not stop you. Visit thedanawilson.com to become a member and get a peek at everything else I do that is not a weekly podcast. Keep it funky, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>